Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com. It is January 13th. We are here to talk Monday Night Raw. Of course, if you uh, missed the action this weekend, we debuted a new podcast, The Distraction, with Jeremy Lambert and Joe Holbert. They talk a lot of wrestling news. It is on the FightfulPods.com site, Fightful.com, and here on this YouTube channel, as well as podcast platforms everywhere. Give it a go. Check it out. Also, my Impact Wrestling Hard to kill post show with lots of backstage news about the Tessa Blanchard thing dropped. But if you want a whole lot more, subscribe to our FightfulSelect.com service. The backstage report podcast went up today with a whole lot more on that. And I got even more coming throughout the week. Uh, we have covered that story uh, probably to a degree that nobody else has. FightfulSelect.com is the most direct way to support us since we can't monetize this channel right now. So go check that one out. Um, got my Q&A show going up this week. I'll answer over 100 questions. So subscribe and you can ask as many as you want. But hey, we're talking Monday Night Raw and I am here with Denise Salcedo. Denise, how you doing? What's up? I'm doing really good. Today was a really fun Raw. I'm actually really excited to talk about everything today. Yeah, Raw's been pretty good, solid, consistent lately, I think. I think this one was probably the best one that I've enjoyed in a really long time from top to bottom yeah. nonstop. There was a lot of really good moments throughout the show, so I'm excited to get into them. Yeah, there are so many Raws that we watch that are unforgettable, and, and I even mentioned, like, if we were to retro-review this 10 years from now and look back on the things that we are covering now, we'd be like, eh, that didn't even matter, or there was some stuff that was so bad that it was good. There was yeah. some stuff that I'm going to remember for a long time on this show. Like the Brock uh, R-Truth stuff, I'll remember that, like, for good. I'll remember uh, Buddy Murphy joining this outfit that doesn't have a name yet. But, uh, yeah, there, there's plenty to get into, and, and I'm ready to do it. Uh, reminder, guys, my show notes are up for Fightful Select subscribers live each time. Pay-per-views are for Tier 1, everything else Tier 2. But they do go up on Fightful.com ahead of time. But Randy Orton kicks off this show. He calls out AJ Styles immediately. AJ gloats about the RKO that he hit last week. And 
Randy or AJ is like, I don't know if you watched the show last week, Randy, but I did a great RKO. I would have loved it if Randy was like, no, I didn't. I didn't even see it. First I'm hearing of it. I like how he was all proud of it. Like, yeah, I yeah. did the RKO and you missed it and it was great. Um, that was a nice touch to that. But I especially love when Drew McIntyre came out. I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. Yeah, Drew McIntyre comes out and he's like, guys, people don't want to hear us talk. They want to see a triple threat match. Let's do it. I like this. This is this, what they're doing with Drew McIntyre is working. And I, I'm just saying, Denise, we weren't talking about how much we loved Monday Night Raw when they were spending 30 minutes a week on Humberto Carrillo. We weren't. <laughs> no, we were actually. We really, really were. And it's funny because I think we've, you know, we've, we had been seeing Drew McIntyre consistently every single week on Raw, but this time now he's being incorporated with guys like AJ Styles and Randy Orton, which automatically elevates his, elevates his game and makes people interested. And granted, people were all ready to get on his boat, but now, seeing that they are actually listening to the fans and pushing him or at least doing something with him. I think that so far I really like the direction that this is going in too. Yeah. A lot of people think I joke about the Creo thing and I'm like, man, a lot of, wait till he comes back. Let's see how we feel then. A lot of potential there. Sure. But them monopolizing 20 to 30 minutes a week and, and two or three segments on him really took away from a lot of other people. And it really compromised a lot of it compromised Andrade, that's for sure. But since he's been off the show, you've seen a lot of guys step up. You've seen the Rollins AOP thing emerge. You've seen Drew McIntyre really emerge. You've seen the Andrade Ray thing step up, and the alignment is a little bit more appropriate right now. And whenever he comes back, I hope that they have him a little bit more ready because. I, I do directly correlate that to the fact that they have stronger characters, stronger people who are stronger as characters and wrestlers on the show right now. And that's what we're seeing more of. And this match was a good indication of it. Randy Orton and AJ Styles did such a good job of making me forget that Drew was actually in this match. They do that spot a lot, Denise, where the person reemerges. But AJ and Randy were so good at what they were doing that... I was like, oh wow, oh, I forgot that Drew was here. We we saw the Glasgow Tower, so to speak, the Tower of Doom coming from a mile away. But the OC had attacked early on. Orton and Drew took them out. This takes up the first 15, 16 minutes of the show. But uh McIntyre gets hit with his or hits them with his signature moves and he gets taken out on stairs. Now the real highlight of this, I thought, was AJ Styles trying to do the RKO. And then Randy Orton being like, no, I can do your move too. And he does a really good Styles Clash. That was so cool to see. A really solid one too. Yeah. Well, so I like that you mentioned the fact that, you know, you sort of forgot Drew was in this match. And this was the thing that I liked about it was that it furthered the storyline between AJ and Randy in this match. But at the same time, it not only made Drew McIntyre feel more important, I don't know if you noticed, but the fans were really interested in every move that he did, every little thing that he did in the ring. So it kind of felt like they pushed two things at the same time, the storyline with AJ and Randy, Randy, and then also making Drew more important. Uh, my favorite part was when he gave the headbutt to Randy because he just like sort of like rammed through him. Like that one actually had this very high impact. I liked that. Um, I liked the shot where... I liked how they shot AJ Styles' Phenomenal Forum to the outside of the ring. That was really cool. It looked really nice. Um, 
And I'm happy that Drew McIntyre got the win, to be honest. I didn't think he was going to win. So the fact that they actually gave it to him brought like this new energy to the match, to the finish, and made it exciting. They had him sneak in. He picked up the win with the Claymore. Um, the pin was a little lazy for my liking, but that's such a minor complaint about this match. But uh, I thought worth pointing out. This was worth seeing for the Styles Clash alone. Drew is the hot hand right now. The thing is, had AJ or Orton won this match, they I don't think they would have been any more over than they were going into it. But Drew... Exactly. Drew, it helps him so much, Denise. Exactly. He was the one who needed it. And like guys like AJ and Randy, like they're already known. They're already established. Drew McIntyre is not. He's one of those people that we want to see. We all know that already. So, hey, him actually winning this match was important and meant something. I thought this was a, an excellent opener. Uh, Ricochet versus Mojo Raleigh up next. I saw a lot of people saying, homecoming for Ricochet. Lexington ain't nowhere near Paducah, guys. You're closer to Indianapolis, Huntington, Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio. It, Paducah's four hours away. It's practically not even the same state. Uh, Paducah is closer to, like, Missouri than it is Lexington. It's nowhere near the same. But a lot of times when Ricochet comes here, he gets cheers because, quite frankly, there aren't a lot of Kentucky people to cheer for in wrestling history, period. <laughs> Eugene, Rob Conway, Jillian Hall. Uh, maybe if Jessamine Duke does something, we'll, we'll have somebody. Dean Ambrose for a while because he was from Cincinnati. Uh, Sarah Logan got her ass kicked real proper tonight. Hillbilly Jim. There you go. There's not a lot to really be excited for. Chuck Taylor's over in AEW. We we don't have him on the WWE side of things to cheer for. So I like that you can claim Eugene though. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was a big one for a while. He was. He's probably the biggest one, all things considered. Oh man. So Ricochet defeated Mojo Raleigh. I'm glad to see more Mojo on TV because he's done so well in the spots that he's appeared on. Uh, but they did the old, if this was the Royal Rumble, Mojo would be eliminated spot. They have to do that. They gotta have people thrown over the top rope. You see that a lot more in the weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble. People going over the top rope when they would be getting drop kicked through the middle rope. Uh, what we also see 15 times a week is the Tope Con Hilo. I'm ready to see fewer people do this spot. Uh, I, it is the new suicide dive. Everybody's doing it to the point to where I don't want to see anybody do it. I want to see it like once a month. That's it. I any thoughts on some of the, the tropes that we saw in this match? Because this wasn't so, really special. For, for this match, it had a lot of great spots from Ricochet. But to me, looking at this match as a whole, it felt like a match that was meant to restart and re-embed Ricochet into people's heads as being this guy that does incredible moves. Because the whole entire match was move, set up, move, set up, just putting over the fact that he's this human highlight reel and he's what you see in the video games. And they were just pushing and pushing it and it didn't really tell anything. There was no no real 
interest in this match because I kind of felt it was just move for move and it did nothing for me. Like, yeah, it's impressive to see Ricochet do all of this stuff, but it did nothing for Mojo Rawley and it, I don't think it did anything for anybody else. I mean, this is cool if you're a kid in the audience and you're like, oh my God, I've never seen anyone do that ever. But I think this match was just, again, a way to get people to say, huh, Ricochet's really impressive. Yeah, I think that's a good point. He wins with a recoil on a 6.30 after Mojo hit a a uh, pounce, so to speak. But yeah, that, that, was, that was really it. Uh, the push for Sarah Logan, that's about it. Lasted about a week. Uh, she got her ass whipped real bad by Charlotte Flair and tapped out, got squashed. Then Charlotte puts her robe back on, throws Logan over the top rope, because it's Royal Rumble season, remember. Uh, really, the only note I have besides that is I like Sarah Logan's new gimmick and gear. It is more appropriate that with the, the sustenance hunter thing. But at this point, I really think if, if Liv's doing her thing, I would love to see Sarah Logan as the third for the Viking Raiders. It makes way too much sense. It gives her a little bit of a rub. It makes her seem more important than she is now. But uh, any any thoughts on this squash? Yeah. So the thing with this that I just thought about this as you were talking is that one of the things that prior that we were talking about is the fact that we needed to have more guys build up on Raw. And as you mentioned, now that Umberto Carrillo has gone, we have been seeing that focus on more guys, you know, as we saw later today on with Aleister Black and a bunch of other people. Right. But I don't feel like we're seeing that with the women's division. Right now, it doesn't really feel like they're really focusing on anyone else or building anyone else besides, you know, Becky and Asuka. And you know, let's face it, the whole Liv Morgan, Lana thing is not – I mean, yeah, it's TV time. We're talking about it. But in terms of actually building them up, I don't know if you can really say that. So I think we do need to see more of that. We need to see more women highlighted with real characters on the show like give them some sort of story some sort of reason for us to get behind them and i don't i, th I think we need to see a lot more of that yeah i agree i am with you 100 percent on that uh we it, it's been so focused heavy on the horsewomen for a long time and it's good to have those anchors you're gonna have two on each brand for the foreseeable future but you gotta build some support there and really it's all been alexa bliss now you're seeing it with lacey evans but Lacey Evans gets in her own way a little bit on the other brand. I, I think they really got to do it here. Uh, I think I do like Lacey Evans' social media presence, though. I like what she's doing and what she's going. Which she's been doing a lot of like, you know, humanitarian type stuff. I'm like, that's smart on her part. I know we're not talking about Lacey Evans, but I just thought about yeah. that today because I've been seeing her tweets pop up nonstop on my feed, and I'm like, oh, this is good. I think she gets in her own way with some of the depression stuff, though. When she talks about that, and she gives some like weird advice that's like oh just work oh, really? out you, just she's just like work out and you won't that. be depressed and it's like ah no it's, it doesn't work like that oh. but wwe the only other person they've leaned in super heavily and protected is ronda rousey now i mean alexa bliss obviously was a champion and and a really effective one but wasn't protected carmelo wasn't protected those were chicken shit champions for better or for worse and they worked really well but uh we'll see how that goes and I don't think Naomi is that pillar. I think that on the main roster, do you think the moment passed with her when she was able to like become, you know, yeah. top guard, and now it seems like the moment has passed. Yeah, it, it, what the promos weren't there, the in ring wasn't quite there, the presentation is there. I loved her belt, I loved her entrance, I loved all that stuff, but 
it, it just wasn't there. I think as far as people they could bring up, uh, Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley are the two main ones. Shayna Baszler, maybe, but I wonder how her wrestling style translates to a television, a cable television crowd. Uh, but as a character, Shayna Baszler can get it done. I think oh, yeah. bringing up Io Shirai would be good to put her with the Kabuki Warriors because those are two that have been fairly protected as well. But um, I think I think Raw could stand to use Io Shirai to, to help out things there. And um, that, that'd be a couple good people to have against Charlotte and, and Becky in the future because Io Shirai isn't really doing anything in NXT right now. So she, she doesn't need to be Yeah, there. and I'm sure... And I'm sure that, you know, Charlotte or any of the other women would like to have these matches that, you know, actually mean something sure. on the show. Even if it's not going to go anywhere, the fans should be like, oh, you know, so-and-so person, like they've been, you know, doing so well. So this match actually means something with somebody like Charlotte. And that that's what was lacking with her match with Sarah Logan is that nothing of of late, no depth was added to her. So people really weren't as interested i know i wasn't interested so i can only imagine that some other people probably felt the same way yeah wwe's having a hard time getting uh new women over or, or putting them over quite frankly they get in their own way and if you're having a hard time learning how to play guitar check out my friends at fender play here's a new year's resolution you guys will enjoy sticking to Learning to play an instrument enhances brain development. It's been shown to reduce stress, even boost your immune system. And Fender Play can get you there. Fender Play makes it easy. It's the complete online learning platform for guitar, bass, or even ukulele. I have a cousin who's learning how to play ukulele and was using Fender Play. And right now, using Fender Play, you can play your first song in just minutes with short easy-to-follow lessons taught by experienced instructors. You go to Fender.com slash podcast. Make sure to go there and enter the special code FIGHTFUL. Fender Play is a lot different because it features a step-by-step, step song-driven learning path tailored to your musical taste, built around your schedule. It's all from your phone, your tablet, your computer. You can master chords, songs, techniques at your own pace. With bite-sized lessons, you can watch anywhere and anytime. You can track your progress in the app, so you can pick up where you left off if you have to go do something. Uh, you can share your success and get support from uh, instructors in Fender's exclusive online community and get unlimited access to hundreds of lessons and features for an entire year, all for less than the average cost of one traditional music lesson. That's Fender.com slash podcast. Use that code FIGHTFUL, and you can try it free for two weeks. And if you buy an annual plan, you'll save half off. That is less than the traditional cost of one music lesson. Uh, like I said, my cousin's played guitar for quite a while. But he was like, you know what? I'm about to pick up ukulele. And I was like, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm starting this Fender Play ad. And I hooked him up with an account with the Fender.com slash podcast code Fightful. And he's already learning how to play the ukulele, my friends. My God. I was trying to learn how to play guitar years ago, but I had to go to the class and didn't have time, and I gave up. Now hey. I'm starting to think if I had something like this, I might not have given up and would have actually learned some songs. Well, right now, you all can get this deal for, for the next week. So, Denise, I'll hook you up, too, if you want. It's through Monday, January 20th at midnight Pacific time, so act fast. Fightful.com, or actually, 
Fender.com slash podcast, code Fightful. Denise, I sarcastically bought a Jeff Jarrett laser engraved guitar from TNAshop.com. Yes, I did. Do you still have that? Yes. It cost me all of $25. It was irresponsible to not buy it at that price. Come on. I just, like, it's, I'm looking at it right now. Between my office and my bedroom, it's right there. I trip over it every single night. I'm finally going to get to put this thing to use. Fender.com slash podcast. Use that code FIGHTFUL. I'm very excited to have these guys on board. Uh, Hit them up on Twitter. Let them know that you heard about them from us. That always goes a long way to let these people know that uh, what we're doing actually works. So uh, thank you guys for checking them out. Ah, Brock Lesnar came out next with Paul Heyman. They trolled Kentucky, but I wasn't there, so they definitely weren't talking to me. (laughs) They teased leaving, and Paul Heyman cut this promo about Brock Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble. And he says that only truth flows from his mouth, which brings out our truth. Denise, this was phenomenal. This was awesome. Okay, so first off, I do want to credit Paul Heyman for his intro. I love the part where he uh, he made fun of people from Kentucky and called them stupid because he basically said that they still sing along with him even after he made fun of them. I was like, that is hilarious. And then after that, I think a light bulb went and like turned on inside of everybody's heads because then everybody started booing and getting like really pissed. So you saw that shift where everybody was like, you know what? He's right. Why are we singing along with him or, you know, saying what he's saying when he just called us dumb or whatever. Um, So I thought that was perfect, a perfect way to uh, really get the crowd involved and invested in what was in what was happening but okay so the whole thing with our truth when he came out i wasn't really even thinking where this was going to go or i just thought it was going to be something silly but then all of the lines that he pulled the chemistry between them all uh the part where he was talking about the big big guy and then it ended up being paul Heyman and brock lesnar's just sarcastically laughing on the side like this cool guy I loved every single minute of this. And my favorite, favorite thing in the whole wide world now is Brock Lesnar's laughing face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So our truth <laughs> enters the Royal Rumble and says he's going to eliminate Paul Heyman, which Brock was loving this. He was laughing his ass off at it, which is great to see. Watching Brock Lesnar react was what I had my eyes on. We don't see this a lot, and that someone give him a reaction channel. Yeah, exactly. So this was this was different, and I I appreciate different. I like it. It was harmless. It didn't hurt Brock a damn bit. He got to beat somebody up. But then when Paul Heyman says, "Hey, you idiot!" Brock's in the Royal Rumble. Truth was like, honestly, I don't listen to you. You talk a lot, man. That part was awesome. I wrote that down. I was like, this part was hilarious. And the way he said it, the way he delivered it, what what was what made it. Yeah, it was it was perfect. It was just so it, we don't see this. We haven't seen something quite like this since maybe the Heath Slater Brock Lesnar stuff. And all this stuff helps out guys like our truth. It makes him more sympathetic, even more entertaining, all that stuff. Well, truth undeclares from the Royal Rumble. I love that he said Paul, also, you keep giving away spoilers, and I don't like that. That was such a good line that did not get the reaction that it deserved. Uh, <laughs> Heyman says that nobody likes truth, and Lesnar hits him with an F5. 
Now, what I hoped happened, I kind of hoped Lesnar pinned him and won the 24-7 title. And then the herd ran out. And then when they realized who it was, they were just like, nah, we're good. And then at least for the next couple of weeks, for the next couple of weeks at least, we could have gotten our truth like braving the elements in the Minnesota or Canadian, uh, Canadian like tundra and like going through farmland trying to track down <laughs> Brock Lesnar while he's hunting moose or something to, to find the title. Like that, that would have been something different, but I don't think they want to cloudy up Brock enough because how are you going to get the title off of him? You, you exactly. have to pin him while he's asleep or something. And I could, I think Brock Lesnar is the kind of guy that sleeps with one eye open. I just feel like that, that, that that's a Brock Lesnar thing. But it's funny because a few people I saw said the same thing where they kind of wish that that would have happened. But then it kind of felt that, you know, Brock Lesnar, you know, he, our truth was making him laugh. It kind of seemed like he was on, you know, his side for just a moment because it was at Paul Heyman's expense and that was funny. And, but I feel that the, fact that he didn't take his title away it's because like he's like oh that's beneath me you know and this is funny i'm just gonna pretty much end you right here and that's it and we'll move on with this but i liked this this was so funny like from everybody's perspective you know there's times where you see something funny and inside your head you're like hmm yeah that was funny but this time i actually laughed out loud with sounds actually coming out of my (laughs) mouth that's how i felt during this segment and i was starting to kind of think back about like other brock lesnar moments and i was like you know what we don't give brock lesnar enough credit for those times where he's had funny moments in the past because when he is given something you know that's supposed to be comedic and not you know this tough guy Brock Lesnar he nails it really well and I don't think that's something that many people have been talking about and I think with this it was just sort of that reminder that you know Brock Lesnar can do funny he doesn't always have to be the tough guy that doesn't say anything and just kicks ass no he can do multiple stuff and and you can tell he was actually enjoying enjoying himself during this yeah, if they if they wanted to lean into the 24-7 thing, they could have had Paul Heyman, like, desperate to get the title off of him. Because he knows what the meal ticket is. The meal ticket is the Universal Championship. And he could have, like, demanded that R-Truth pin Brock Lesnar while he's asleep. And he's like, listen, he's tranquilized right now. This is your chance. Get it off him or else. But I, I loved how this segment played out. It was just so much fun. Uh, Mojo Rawley then comes out and pins Truth for the title as he's being helped to the back. A perfect fitting. Like, why wouldn't somebody come and try to pin him? It made sense. Yeah. That, yeah. That's and the it, thing. It, we see a lot of things that make sense on Raw these days. When you and I first covered this show, we had a lot of stuff that just did not make sense. And all those. Bobby Lashley, Lana. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those logic holes are being closed a little bit. Like, there aren't a ton of things that I'm looking at and saying, this doesn't make sense. Why the hell are they doing this? Well, there was, uh, I think, one week where on the podcast, we pretty much broke down the recipe to Raw. We were like, okay, we see this, we see that, and we see this every week and different variations of that. And I think this is probably one of the first Raws where I felt we got 
a lot of different stuff and a lot of different segments, whether it was backstage stuff, whether it was a match where, I mean, there was one point where they were, you know, having him towards the end where they were having their match, but then Buddy, Buddy Murphy was on the outside. Then there was an interview going on and there was just so much happening that it really made for a fast paced show and it made it easier to watch. I mean, you're sitting there for three hours. So I think that the faster things get moved along and the different variations of things that we get, it makes it easier to watch. You know, we got a lot of different stuff and uh today was a show that i wouldn't necessarily be able to tell you oh this is the recipe to raw because i it felt different yeah uh this was a good time i, I won't say that i liked the lashley rusev match it it felt yeah. a lot like a 1991 like warlord versus barbarian match or something Lana and Lashley say that everybody's jealous of them backstage, and Rusev beats up Lashley pretty thoroughly. He had a nice little cannonball. Uh, Lashley sent Rusev over the top rope and speared him. That was a good spot. But Lashley got posted. My favorite spot was probably Rusev rolling through the German suplex and hitting the Moshka kick, but Lana distracts Lashley, or Rusev, and Liv Morgan shows up after she had said she was going to be in Rusev's corner. She like walks out. With 95% of the match done. Lana throws a drink in her face. Darts live into the barricade. And a spear gets the win. I didn't like this match at all. It This was one of the things that didn't make sense. Liv said she was going to be in his corner. What the hell is she doing? Her not being in Rusev's corner may have cost him this match. This was the lull, for sure. This was the lull of the show where we went from really high spirits at one point with the whole Brock segment to, oh, we're back down to reality, and this is the one thing we do not like. And here's the thing that it's unfortunate, but now every time we see Bobby Lashley and Rusev in the ring, if it's not a horrendous disaster that I can't keep my eyes on off of, I don't want to see it. And it sucks because they did have some good moments during this match. The crowd actually was interested in the match during a lot of this during a lot of it and but myself I was completely out of it and I I felt bad because the only thing I wrote down on my notes was zero interest only works when it's a disaster and that's unfortunate to say because both Bobby Lashley and Rusev are incredible athletes but this whole storyline has sort of tainted them any any time that they are together I also hated the two I think we got two backstage promos with Lashley and Lana, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't like those either. And at one point, we even got the B-roll again of the wedding. And I was already mad last week when we had to receive the wedding. So then this time, having to re-see it again, I was like, just like, no, please. So this was the one thing that I was like, if anything could have been cut off the show, this would have been it. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much my thoughts on this match. It just, it's not working right now. Oh, I did like... um there was a really good spear on the outside of the ring from Lashley to Rusev. I thought that was really good and high impact, so I did enjoy that part. Like I said, there was good moments during this match, but unfortunately, like my 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 thoughts were elsewhere. Yeah, this was not good. And afterwards, we got promos from both sides, and those weren't good really either. Lives was all right, but they're gonna have a mixed tag match next week. I do like that they're effectively building to what happens next week. I don't got to sit around on Friday and find out or Thursday. They're telling me a lot of matches that are going to happen on next week's Raw each time we do this. 
You know what? Now that you mentioned the Liv Morgan promo, I do think we need to have more backstory. You know, in this wedding, they made this big hoorah about how Liv Morgan and Lana were an item, but they haven't mentioned anything else. I want to know more about this backstory. Uh, What happened here? And like I said last week, shouldn't shouldn't Rusev be upset with Liv? Why would he want to have anything to do with her? I get it. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. All of that. But I feel like there should still sort of be some sort of anger in in there, too. And I just feel like we need to hear more of that, you know, scorned lover thing. If that's what they're going with, then we need a little bit more uh, storytelling there. I'm completely with you there. Um, it's... It's so weird. They had this angle that got people interested for the obvious reasons. Liv Morgan returned after all those vignettes and no follow-up. No real follow-up to why. Why? Well, well yeah, because the vignettes don't even make sense with what she's saying. Exactly. With what she's doing because she's supposed to be the real her real self and she's in this bathtub. <clears throat> but how does that connect with her being Lana's ex-lover? It's two different things. Up next, the Viking Raiders cut a god-awful, miserable promo. Wow! This was bad. Whew! I was for a second, I was like, oh, they're giving them the mic. That's good. And then it happened, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is it. And I felt bad the second I knew the Singh brothers were... They were the the tag team. I I just thought, okay, well, nothing's gonna happen here. And I actually like the Singh brothers. I really, really do. But it's unfortunate because they're not taken seriously as a serious tag team. They really are not. And that's just no. how it's been. It, it's slim pickings on Raw. I mean, Hawkins and Ryder are not a serious tag team. Street Profits and OC just lost last week, and AOP is in the main event segment. So you got nobody else. You got nobody else. So you got to get the Bollywood boys out there. They need another good babyface tag team. Uh, honestly, or heel tag team. doesn't matter. They need another good tag team. And honestly, every single per, all the teams that aren't on the main roster look pretty similar. They're all bearded white guys. So, <laughs> oh man. By the way, uh, bearded white guy tag team classic tournament uh, continues this week on NXT. But, yeah, Viking Raiders win it. Squash, we knew it was happening. But we do get a contract signing that I was over the moon about, Denise. I love this. This is very simple. Becky comes out. Asuka and Kairi Sane come out. Becky signs the contract, says, let the best woman win. Asuka spits the mist in her face, and Becky Lynch and WWE officials played this up like she got stabbed in the eyeballs. They sold... (laughs) the hell out of it denise they really really, did i really loved it i the second she was she was you know had the 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 white towel she's screaming in pain and i'm like oh my god it's burning her eyes this is awful and i haven't seen anyone sell the mist like that ever but my favorite part was when she essentially gets on the camera or sort of grabs the camera and she's 
pissed. She's like, this happened to me, happened to me. Oh, hell no, this is not going to happen. And she's not going to get away with that. And I liked it because she, you can really tell that she really put over that she's angry that this happened and she's pissed off and she's ready to kick some butt. And that's what I want to see. I want to see someone that when something happens to them that is not good, they are angry about it. Not pretend angry, not, not, oh, I'm supposed to be angry. This is me angry. No, legitimately angry and upset to where I can believe it and it's believable for me and again that's like the one thing I always have to say about Becky that she always does is make everything very believable and she did it again with this one here so um I really liked it the whole thing I had put on Twitter I love how it played into the golden goose angle too because those ten those officials tended to her immediately and desperately so her saying that she's the golden goose and WDB was trying to protect her they were literally Literally and physically trying to protect her from Asuka and what she just did because of this. Becky cut an amazing, passionate promo after this. This was effective. It was good. It was TV that didn't take like 15 minutes to do. Nobody had to go through a table. Nobody had to do any of that. Asuka came out, talked her trash, cut her promo. Kyrie was so condescending and at a time where she perhaps can't be physical right now, that helps her stay over and get over. I love Kyrie saying, because she does that stuff that gets under your skin, then when you do something, she's like, what, what me? Me? I did <laughs> yeah. something? I'm little Kyrie saying, I'm the pirate, I got the treasure chest, all that stuff in the wheel. Don't be mad at me, but she's a little asshole, and she plays it so well. And Asuka is just so out front, and just, oh, it's so good. And Two this, different types of heels. Yeah. And the thing is, I think almost everybody knows Becky Lynch is going to win this match. I'm sure everybody knows Becky Lynch is going to win this match. But they, they've done such a good job building it that I, I don't mind it. It's good storytelling. And I dig it. And that's the point. Hey, make me think that so-and-so has a chance when they're going up against yeah. somebody else. That's like the whole point. Well, Denise, would you ever thought that I stood a chance to have my own WrestleMania week show? I, I saw your Facebook announcement. I was going to ask for more details. I cannot believe it. Now, I want to preface this, guys. I'm not taking a booking fee for this. I'm not making any money for it. For it. Uh, my fee will be going to a, a worthy cause. But Primetime Pro Wrestling presents Sean Ross Sapp Served Tall from the Copper Tail Brewery in Tampa, Florida, Thursday, April 2nd at 4 p.m. So far, we got Mark Haggerty. Faye Jackson, O'Shea Edwards, a lot more. Uh, several other short people are announced for this show. Nobody nearly as tall for me. You know, it's funny. I know Nick Gator, who, who runs Primetime Pro Wrestling. And I was able to finagle an event after him, and I don't think that he knew quite what he was getting into when he agreed to it. I didn't. I don't think that he knew it was legally binding, so to speak. But now, I got my own show, WrestleMania Week. If you are in Tampa... 4 p.m. Thursday, April 2nd, Coppertail Brewery. It'll be done in time to check out Bloodsport. It's uh, really close to the collective, so come by, check it out. Oh, my God. Oh time my to God. prepare. It's like your big wedding day. It is. <laughs> for WrestleMania weekend. This is the epitome, like the same level of energy for that. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm sure it's going to draw several people. To the show, but uh, I get the feeling this ladder match next week might draw a few people. 
My God. Uh, Andrade and Mysterio. U.S. title ladder match. I'm, I'm here for it. I've seen him wrestle a hundred times. It's uh, okay. I want to see this ladder match. Uh, I did like the promo Ray Mysterio cut today. I like how he came through very passionate, talking about how he he does what he does for his people. Hey, he's been nailing it. Ten out of ten each each time he's been doing promos as of late. He's been doing his best promo work now. Like, which I mean, the thing is, okay, he's in his mid forties. That doesn't keep him from doing great promo work. But Ray was never a Ray was never a good promo in my estimation. He was always very just generic and uh and he didn't have a lot of emotion in his voice. I really dig him now. And the fact that we he's the best he's been in the ring in a long time too, that helps that helps as well. Uh I, I like this. I liked Andrade's promo. His angry promo in Spanish. I think that works really well too. Zelina says they'll press charges against Mysterio because he's a criminal. All this worked for me. Yeah, I really like all of this. And it makes me wonder, like, what changed? Because, you know, Rey Mysterio wasn't somebody that if you when you think of, oh, who's a great promo or who's one of the greatest promos, there's certain go to guys that everyone thinks of, you know, the Jericho's, the Rock's, all of these these people. But Rey Mysterio's never one of those people that you ever considered somebody that was a good promo. So it's very interesting to see, like, where did that shift happen where maybe something something just came differently for him in his mind that made him deliver things a lot differently. And yeah, the way he's, you know, div- uh the way he's speaking about certain things, what he's saying matches his emotion. Yeah. Alistair Black defeated Buddy Murphy yet again. So I really thought this should have been stretched out, but by the end of the night I saw why it wasn't. Uh, I thought that Buddy Murphy should have asked for another match and been denied it and Alistair kept crushing people, but and that kind of has been the rap, is that everybody that faces Alistair Black gets crushed, except Buddy Murphy, because Buddy Murphy always almost beats him, and that was the case again. Uh, a good strike trade, all that stuff. Uh, Murphy hit a suplex outside the ring. He tries to hold onto the tights, but gets a big foot to the face. Black does a run-up kick on the top rope, and then they're on the ground, and they both come eye-to-eye. They might have the best in-ring chemistry of anyone in WWE. Uh, Buddy kicks Black mid-moonsault and lands Murphy's Law, his finish, and Black doesn't kick it or doesn't kick out or or get out of it. It's Buddy Murphy going so deep on his own pin that it throws Alistair Black's other leg on the top or on the bottom rope that did it. Uh, Murphy tries his own Black mask but misses it, and Black hits one of his own. And the ref messed up. I think he saw, and, and this is me thinking, but I think he saw Murphy's like little leg kick out like like a last gasp, and he was like, "Oh, he's got his shoulder up." No, you always watch the shoulder. You do not care about the leg. You always watch the shoulder. This hurt Alistair Black's move a little bit, but he hit another one and won. I love this match. I really thought they would go to the Royal Rumble and eliminate each other and then set up a third, but this was really good, as is tradition, Denise. Yeah, so the thing about this match that I was thinking when it first started, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel that important. Like, it's just happening on Raw. It should be happening somewhere else. But the second it started and as it it built up more and more, it was those matches where, you know, somebody does something great, and then the other person just does it even better. And then so in return to that, 
he then has to do something else to make it better. So it was just kept elevating as the match went on. Um, I did like when uh, when uh, Buddy Murphy was uh, oh my gosh, I already forgot. Okay, okay, yes, Buddy Murphy was on the top rope, and then Alistair Black gave him that kick, and then Buddy Murphy just like flew off. He like shot through like a rocket. I was like, what the hell? Yes, that was great. Um. I didn't like the whole thing with the referee because for a second I was I was thinking the exact same thing. Okay, he saw the leg because that's the angle that we saw. So I was assuming that's what he saw as well. But then I thought to myself, well, maybe I missed it. And maybe he did lift his arm up. And maybe we just didn't see it because of the camera angle. But it doesn't seem like that was the case. Uh, so that kind of did take a little bit of the focus away. But I really thought that Buddy Murphy was going to win this match. And now... If he had not joined up with AOP and Seth Rollins, I think this would have been like a real like, okay, we went through all of that and now there's no hype for Buddy Murphy at all. Because yeah. at that point, the hype went way down for Buddy Murphy. But towards the end of the night, I was I was thinking to myself, okay, yes, we're going to be seeing this new, real, edgy Buddy Murphy and I'm all for that. So, like I said, I thought they would go to the Royal Rumble and eliminate each other and it would set up the third match, but I love the way that things went. I had mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I wanted to see, like, a broken Buddy Murphy, like, dejected, like, so just depressed that he couldn't beat Aleister Black because he knows he can. Nobody else can, but he almost can. So he just sits there at ringside and Charlie Caruso tries to come interview him, and I love on the scene, Charlie Caruso, going and getting every interview possible. You're an interviewer, Denise. She's a hustler. Yeah. And you got to run and get your next interview wherever the hell it's at. Well, because you're supposed to – see, that's the thing that I like because as an interviewer, what makes a good interviewer is someone who's curious, who's genuinely curious because then you're asking all the right questions. So he's out there and he's got this frozen look. So – Hey, if you're an interviewer, you're curious, you want to get the scoop or whatever, hey, go out there. And it was, you know, unprecedented. I didn't expect it. And when she did, it was fun. Uh, it, it's funny, though, because when this, uh, when the fist fight match started and he was still out there and Seth Rollins kind of goes up to him and gets in his face. But the part, the fact that he's just sitting there looking like a street statue, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. I was dying over that. It was entertaining. And Charlie was out there trying to get the scoop. You guys can get the scoop over at FightfulSelect.com. I have updates on WrestleMania stuff, the Revival offers that were made to them, a lot on the Tessa Blanchard stuff with a lot more that's going to drop, a lot more that's going to drop. I'm going to have Ring of Honor news this week because there's a big change over there. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. But uh, you don't need a scoop from Select to know that Eric Rowan's going to squash a jobber. Uh, he reaches in the crate, and whatever it is makes his hand bleed. He wins with an iron claw. Murphy sat ringside for this. Murphy sitting ringside was the most notable thing, besides the fact that whatever's in the crate also bites Rowan. Sure. Okay. I'm ready to see him face somebody worth a damn. He's going to be in the Rumble. That's cool. Okay. Maybe he'll scare some people out of the ring over the top rope with whatever he has in there. Maybe. Well, we that get, would be like one of those funny spots. Well, we get the first ever fist fight. Now, this is just the fight ends at the referee's discretion. No DQ, whatever. It breaks down into a hardcore match. Awesome spot early where Owens, Bo Jackson's the video wall, runs up the video wall and dives off. 
It defied gravity. It was unbelievable. Then Joe does a big senton onto Akam. And I loved it. It was an amazing visual, Denise, beyond all that. Seth this Rollins. This was how good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, this is how good this was. I have no notes for it. I didn't have time. Yeah. <laughs> I was too busy watching. So we see all these these great spots, the, the dive and the senton. And then Rollins is fighting Big Show. And he gets thrown out of the ring. And Buddy Murphy's still just sitting there. And I popped. I was like, he's still there? And I didn't even think he would get involved. I just thought... And his face. I just thought he would sit there and stare at him. And I thought maybe he'd become the object of Seth Rollins' frustrations after this. But he's still there. And Rollins is like, help me, buddy. Help. So Buddy does. He punches Big Show in the dick. Helps throw him through a table. We see AOP do do a, a double slam through Joe, the table, and KO. And Big Show tosses Buddy out, but AOP powerbomb him. A stomp wins it. And afterwards, Buddy Murphy embraces Seth Rollins. This is good stuff for Buddy Murphy. This is good news for Buddy Murphy. He got over more losing to Aleister Black. Aleister Black got over more by beating Buddy Murphy. In addition... He helped Seth Rollins and AOP get over more. Big Show, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe are all protected because it was four on three. This is a very unique unicorn where you've got eight people that either got over or stayed protected in in a storyline in wrestling. This is very good stuff, I thought, Denise. Who would have thought that that loss would have ended up helping him out? But, oh, my God, Kevin Owens, though, I did not see that coming for the life of me. It was kind of my thoughts while watching this. He goes up, and I'm thinking, what is he doing? He goes higher, and I'm thinking, wait, the the stage works this way? And then he goes, runs to the side, and I'm thinking, this guy needs a skateboard. And then next thing you know, he jumps off, does this incredible flip, and I'm just thinking, what the hell? Well, this was insane. And it was just something that I didn't see coming at all. It was memorable. Uh, it was fun to watch. And it makes me wonder, like, what was going through his mind during this? Because that's something that could have gone completely wrong because it came through in a slanted sort of direction. Uh, there was a lot going on towards the stage area, towards the ring area. So I thought that they utilized a lot of different things. And it's better that way because they had so many people in this match that, you know, it could have easily became this big cluster mess and no it ended up working out both ways to where you're actually watching and paying attention and seeing who's doing what and what's going on because I don't want to miss any moment of it but yeah so when Buddy Murphy went ahead and joined up with AOP and Seth it was great honestly I I mean the actual finish itself kind of came out of nowhere because you know with the referee basically ending it I don't like that but the whole thing, the whole post stuff afterwards and all of that, that was perfectly fine. I did like that. But again, I just love the part when Buddy Murphy was just sitting there frozen. It kind of reminds me of like those times where you see something and you're just thinking to yourself, oh my God, like this just happened and you can't move on from that. So I thought it was hilarious. And Good stuff. As you mentioned, it was short, sweet, action-packed. It kept your attention. You wanted to watch it. You wanted to see what happens next. I, I thought this was a great close to Raw, Denise. And for the last several weeks, um, let's see, 
we'll, we'll do uh, what is it? It'd be if it's after death, it'd be like after Carrillo. So we'll call it Raw AC after Carrillo has been just a great era. Humberto Carrillo died for our sins, and we the the next week was like Easter, and everything was fine after that. Poor Umberto. I'm still, I'm still gonna hold out and give him some hope. You know, if he comes back, I'm still gonna give him a second chance and see what happens. Uh, but honestly, this raw was very entertaining. Uh, I liked a lot of what happened. Again, fast paced. I enjoyed that a lot because it made it very easy. It didn't feel like three hours. I had lots to tweet about. I even thought to myself, maybe I shouldn't be tweeting this much. Maybe I'm going to be really annoying to people. But there was just so much to say, and that makes me happy. So as we wrap up our Raw coverage, there was some news this weekend. The Tessa Blanchard stuff dropped. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Are you talking about the bullying thing or the part that she yes. or, or the part that she, about about her winning the bout? Well, well yeah, okay. the, the bullying thing is what people care about. Yeah. Yeah. So the bullying thing, you know, it's interesting to me because, you know, I've I've honestly I haven't even read everything that has been said about her. To be honest, I have because I was so busy this weekend. I could not believe how much wrestling news happened. I got out of work one day and LaParka passed away and I was just like, what the hell? And then I find out this whole thing with Tessa and then the whole thing with Gabe Sapolsky. And then there's a bunch of other Twitter wrestling yeah. news. And I'm just thinking, wow, I'm here. You, you step away from Twitter for 16 hours and this is what happens. Um, my thoughts on that is it's unfortunate. Uh, I personally have not been bullied as an adult, so I don't know how I would handle that. So I can't really say how people <laughs> – you know, the girls that are saying that were bullied by her. I don't – it sucks. It really, really does suck, and it puts you in a difficult situation. And I could – look, when you're somebody that's trying to make it, you're really just not trying to get in the wrong with anybody. You want to make sure that you're – you know, you're good with everybody because the more people like you, the more – the more um, you know, you get bookings and jobs and stuff like that. You don't want to be a problem starter. And they do say – I've heard this being said that in wrestling – they say that you can have five – I think it was Conan. He said this. You can have five women in a locker room and 50 guys, and you'll have more issues with – more drama with those five women. And it sucks because, uh, you know, if you're in a situation like that, you might not always know how to go about it. But at the same time, I have seen some tweets of some people who say who were saying that this was known and nothing was done. And it's kind of those situations where – People don't care or get outraged until it's being brought to life on social media. And it makes you wonder if anybody would have cared if it was never brought to life on social media. So a lot of people were speaking up. um, But I do think that in these cases, if it doesn't matter who it is, how much power they have, if anybody is bullying you. And even though you want to be good and all of that, you should stand up for yourself regardless. Like, I don't care who it is. If someone were to speak like that to me, I'm like, dude, I'm 27 years old. I'm an adult. We don't play these games. I, I feel like I would be somebody that would stand up for myself. But again, different situations. And I don't know what every girl's individual story, but it sucks. It really does suck. And it sucks too, because Tessa Blanchard achieved this incredible thing, this incredible feat, a historic thing, and it's being shadowed by something else, and that sucks too. So there's a lot of different layers. I don't think stories are just black and white, so it's really interesting. Also, unfortunate news, uh, LaParka, not the one from WCW, it'd be LaParka 2, 
passed away after uh, his battle after he su- suffered a really rough injury. Um, this is uh, very very bad news. Uh, he was an important figure in uh, AAA for a very very long time. Uh, any any thoughts on this one? I could not believe it when I found out. It took me like five minutes to register it where I was like, wait, what? No, like this cannot be because that's just, I mean, when you think about certain people that make up an entity, he is one of those people that you think of when you think of Mexican wrestling and culture and icons and people that you just know. And he was somebody that took this character and made it his own. And that's one of the things that, you know, it it, it sucks too, because I saw a lot of confusion on Twitter where people didn't know which La Parca and what was the difference between La Parca and Ali Park. And that was very frustrating to see as well. And it, it kind of is a little bit creepy and morbid if you think about it because Allie Park who is not dead is you know seeing what people would have said if he was you know and that's kind of you know that could kind of I if I were seeing that if I were me that would kind of mess with me but I just it's really it, it it it's a really 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 sad thing especially because when you go back and you think about how this dive You know, he almost died that night. People didn't think he was going to make it. And, you know, I'm sure you feel this way when you see somebody, if they die in the ring or, you know, they get seriously hurt, you know, like Hiromu, who was gone for such a long time and he had this horrible injury. Like, you you really feel because you go out, you know, these are people that are going out there and yeah, they make it look easy what they're doing. It looks easy when they're doing it, but it's really not. And they're going out there and they're putting their lives on, on the line. And it's just crazy how how this all just happened like it it's really really sad like really sad yeah our thoughts are are with his friends his fans his family uh he he was around for about two and a half months after the the dive after the situation and it it's a shame we didn't have him longer uh he again a, a big figure in triple a uh over the last geez gosh since like I think ninety five, not ninety five or ninety six. Ah oh, man, uh, some unfortunate news there. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some better news for you this Wednesday. List and your boy uh, is back on Wednesdays. Of course, we had the list goes on uh, post show podcast on Fightful Select. Make sure you guys check that out. That's the most direct way to support us. But Denise, tell the people where they can find you. All right, as always, Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Come follow me. I need all the love I can possibly get. And then YouTube.com. Oh, oh, okay. So on Saturday, I have a really cool interview coming up with somebody in wrestling. I'll go ahead and surprise all of you guys on YouTube and Twitter and all of that. So I'm really excited because I reached out to this person, and I didn't think he was going to say yes. And he said, sure, why not? And I was like, dude, this is gold. We're solid. We're going to do this. So keep an eye out for that um, interview. will be taking place on Saturday, so it will probably be posted that evening. So, yeah, YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo for that. And I'll announce more later once it actually happens because I don't want to announce it and then something come up and then be like, oh, (laughs) this didn't work out. You know, that's horrible. And then it does happen. It does happen. Uh, Guys. Remember, Conor McGregor fights this Saturday. I'm going to have coverage all over FightfulMMA.com. On that, I'll have a preview show as well. Until next time, guys, we're out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.